So we got a, a bunch of new audio equipment. <laughs> is this shit? Or is just, it, Ryan, can you hear me? Okay. What? Oh. I'm uh, I'm testing our, the the levels. Can you hear me? Can you hear me good? Turn it up louder. I can't hear turn you. Turn it up. Turn it up. Okay. <laughs> oh my Holy god. Yeah, that's perfect, right there, okay, dude. I'm, I'm turning it down a little. I can hear myself a little loud, so I'm I'm gonna turn it down. All right, fuck with it a little bit. <laughs> okay how how is that that's actually a little low you should turn yourself up a little more zach good <laughs> oh my god i fucking hate you <laughs> oh just so right, you know right. you're destroying both the new headphones that you bought and <laughs> these turtle bitches. that's a good point actually raven you, you owe me money <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I think I got my my <laughs> level set back correctly. The levels yeah. that we just spent like ten minutes trying. I was, to yeah, out. I was gonna say something, but I was like, I'm just gonna shut the fuck up. Uh, okay, I got an intro idea, guys. <laughs> Let's break all the equipment and our eardrums. Uh, Classic Raven move. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, today in this episode of Drinking Out of Cups podcast. We're talking about Kratom. Yeah, 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 yeah. As Hamilton Morris would say, it's Kratom. Actually, you're wrong. Despite the most people calling it Kratom, it is actually Kratom. Uh, actually, I it's, heard a lot of people say Kratom. <laughs> Kratom. Kratom. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird how everybody seems to pronounce it so much differently. No, but like yeah. legit, his episode when he goes to Thailand and he speaks to them, yeah. the way that the Thai people say it is Kratom. Right, oh. which is funny so because that's why every... Hamilton thinks that it's the way to say it. No, Kratom. right. Well, I mean, it came from those areas, so it probably is right. how it's traditionally pronounced. And what's yeah. funny is, uh, oh, sorry, I just opened the beers. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> Wait, you opened the beer, and that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was the sound well, of my beer. See what he does <laughs> is he opens the beer and holds it like under his mouth, and he inhales all the beers. <laughs> I'm more of a microdosing uh, alcohol. I'm more of a sniffer <laughs> than I alcohol. am a drinker. <laughs> You like the aromas. 100%, dude. Uh, fuck, what was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah, reason, so, yeah. yeah, so so the reason... Um, well, sorry, no. So one of the, when I was researching, because I've seen that like a lot of the stuff of Hamilton when he talks about uh, Kratom, which is what I'm going to say, uh, he, he always says Kratom. And so every time I was reading when we were researching for this episode, every time I read the word Kratom... I would read it as Kratom, and then I was like, well, God damn it, dude. <laughs> it's just too weird. It's, it's honestly just yeah. like, uh-uh. Yeah. Not, not how I'm saying it. No, but honestly, yeah. if you think about it, that's actually how, like, even in American English, it would be read. Like, Kratom, yeah. K-R-A-T-O-M. Kratom, yeah. not Kratom. Where's the Y? Right? Kratom. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Kratom drinks Kratom. Do you, think, do you think little crawdads, like little crayfish, do you think they'd Dude, that's a sick hey, rapper Tom. name, Lil Crawdad. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty fire, not gonna lie. Yo, I'm still that ball, straight up, dude. Oh, shut up, we down here to be true. We don't really Crawdad. Bye, rapper. Fucking Crawdad Bill. So, Kratom uh, is a Southeast Asian evergreen tree, the Mitri Guyana Speciosa. 
And the leaves of this plant, when ingested at low doses, act as a stimulant, making users feel more energetic, while at higher doses, it can reduce pain, induce euphoria, and act as actually a sedative, which is super weird because mm-hmm. in low doses, it gives you energy, is for what I hear. I've only ever taken it at high doses, um, which <laughs> <laughs> can feel a lot like an opiate almost. That's what but, I read a lot about, yeah. I mean, it's still an opiate. Yeah, the the fact that it can give you low or at low doses give you energy like a stimulant would, and at high doses um, reduce pain and induce euphoria sounds pretty great, right? It sounds like it's the best of both worlds. You could uh, take a little in the morning as a substitute for coffee, or take like a lot more at night and kind of go to bed with it. Sounds like a pretty good drug, right? Oh, hundred percent, dude. Sounds fire. I don't yeah. know why I haven't tried it yet because I'm fully addicted to coffee. <laughs> probably why and, I haven't tried it yet. <laughs> and heroin. So. Yeah, oh, for sure, dude. Yeah, heroin is my number one choice of uh, drug, <laughs> uh, followed by PCP, uh, followed by uh, gravel. Uh, I like to I like to inject gravel a lot. Yeah how do how do you do how do you inject gravel? Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, Raven. Uh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so what you do is the spotlight's yours. Yeah. Go so, ahead. so you you ground. Yeah. You ground ahead up. Tell me. Yeah. 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 yeah so, just so, I, so I tells the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I tells the guy. <laughs> Dude, get, get this. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that I, okay. SNL Chris Farley skit? <laughs> no. It's so funny. Anyway, shout out Chris Farley, my dog. Dude. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure the audience would love to hear how you inject gravel. But yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. <laughs> <laughs> about creative. <laughs> so this Chaton. tree, the Mitragyna speciosa tree, is native to several countries such as Malaysia, Thailand, Myanmar, Vietnam, just to name a few of them. While it is now being grown all over the world it, where uh, places will maintain heat and humidity, uh, places even like Florida in the United States, people have started growing kratom. 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 <laughs> Uh, a kratom is an ingestible substance. It is a non-FDA approved herbal supplement and supplement in quotes there uh, that is legal in most states in the U.S. However, it is banned in Alabama, Arkansas, Indiana, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Vermont, and Wisconsin. There are also pretty strict restrictions. Washington, D.C. Really? Yeah. How did I miss that? I, uh, I, I got Wisconsin. It's <laughs> so you can buy mushroom chocolates in D.C., but you can't buy kratom. Yep. Interesting. What a wonderful world we live in. There are also some pretty strict restrictions in the countries that Kratom grows naturally, actually. For instance, in Thailand, Kratom is a scheduled narcotic. And it was only recently that they did allow Kratom to be used medicinally with a medical card uh, like people have for weed in the United States. And people getting caught without their medical card can actually be subject to legal repercussions. In See, Thailand. I read something in in 2021. I read that they uh, they took it off the narcotics drug act, making it like fully legal. Uh, so this is something that we're gonna kind of mm-hmm. talk about when it comes to kratom. Is the vast amounts of like differing information, and depending on which source you go to, can say something completely different. And 100%. That's, that's kind of a, a flaw when trying to talk about laws in other countries as well. Is it's really hard to research because unless you speak Thai, then it, like things can be, I, I don't know, mm. like even translated different. I don't know. Right. I mean, there's also like the fact that it's a botanical medicine or botanical drug even, right? Like there's always weird laws when it comes down to a plant. 
you know, like the opium poppy, right? And the and the, the latex that comes from the poppy. There's like different laws to you can grow poppies in the United States at your house, but as soon as you start cutting them, suddenly it becomes like an actual like you are breaking the law because you're cutting your poppy, like your own poppies that you grew and you bought seeds from Fred Meyer for. Like right, same thing with like mescaline. Same, exactly. You can buy a San Pedro cactus from Fred Meyer or from Home Depot, grow it at your house, and have no idea that, or have an idea that it has a drug in it, a Schedule One drug. And then, as soon as you try to break that cactus down, suddenly you're breaking the law. But owning the cactus and growing the cactus is legal. Is like that? Just I feel like that's why the laws are probably so weird. Is that kratom is a tree? Yeah, and right. It's it grows naturally like everywhere in those southeast, you know, countries. Yeah, and yeah. to add on to that, uh, Malaysia has a ban, a local ban on kratom consumption and a banned ex- exportation of the tree unless grown and shipped without any processing, making oh, it not a profitable cash crop. Um, to yeah, how does that work? What do you, you can't they just ship, ship a tree. <laughs> no, exactly. So they, no they, they've kind of made oh, it inconvenient. Right. So I think you can, yeah, because that's like, you can't even shuck the- no, you couldn't chop it up. You couldn't do anything. Couldn't they're, take pretty the much, they're pretty much saying you can only send a live tree plant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. Even if you cut it down, isn't that processing? That's processing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so the tree has to uproot itself and walk <laughs> all the whole way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've the seen that shit. happen before. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many mushrooms did you ingest before, before you saw that happen? <laughs> oh, no. I was just in Thailand, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. The Thai- oh, yeah. Well, that, that, that was in Malaysia, though. That those laws were happening. Same shit. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, dude. Whoa. <laughs> In Indonesia, uh, is the, the that's the country that most of our kratom comes from. It's the highest exported kratom country. Uh, they technically also have a ban on local kratom consumption, although it is being grown and processed in massive quantities as a cash crop. Uh, right. This may not go on for very much longer, because they actually have a pending legislation to put a full ban on kratom farms this year. Oh, yeah. well. and well, that's in where Indonesia in Indonesia, and that's yeah. where ninety five percent of kratom comes ah. from, other than uh, the kratom being grown in the United States. Well, and that's why I bet you anything. Like I've seen so many kratom users on Reddit who are like uh, completely fearful of having their ability to buy kratom go away. Right. Due to like uh, importation, exportation laws. Right. Right. And that's where like a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'm going to start growing my kratom at my own home. Yeah. But with enough lamps and moisture. Funny I mean, enough, you could, no, but it would be such no, a pain No, not even in the lamps. Air. Like that's the thing is you could grow it outside. But again, it's a tree. It doesn't grow like cannabis where every single summer you can have a harvest. Like if you grow a kratom tree, you're going to have to grow a massive ass tree. For 20 you, years. Yeah. Right. Before yeah, you're yeah, ever going to have a dose or a yeah, few these, doses. These yeah, dude. These trees are also massive as fuck. They're like fucking anywhere from like nine to like fourteen meters tall. Like right, and we giant, should actually bushy we should, trees. We should mention then, like it's just the leaves that people are ingesting. Yeah, it's right. not it's not the roots. It's not the whole tree. It's nothing like that. It's literally just the leaves, and they're ingesting large quantities. Yeah. Right? Like some people are up to like 50 grams a day yeah. of powdered leaves. Well, yeah. and that's that's kind of what the the laws are going against is even um, the Mayo Clinic has put out a paper being like, it is not safe to ingest Kratom uh, due to the fact that we don't know 
that it's just the leaves in a lot of these things. There could be a lot of additives or just uh, chemicals or contaminations and things like that. So, yeah, it's not FDA regulated in the U.S. So, like, in a sense, anyone that creates, like, I could start a Kratom company where I'm importing Kratom powdered leaves from Indonesia or Thailand or Malaysia. And then in the U.S., I'm adding things like tramadol, you know, a synthetic opioid medication, right, to my… Kratom, or even just adding extra uh, alkaloids, like the the two alkaloids that are most common in Kratom, mitragynine and 7-hydroxymitragynine. There's people that will add like synthetic 7-hydroxymitragynine or mitragynine to their Kratom blend and then sell it in, you know, head shops and uh, smoke shops and stuff like that. And it's not Kratom at that point, right? Because it's been adulterated. Right. But there's not really any regulation stopping that. No, there and there probably never will be. I mean, considering it's the FDA and that cannabis is still not FDA regulated, like cannabis is still a Schedule One drug in the United States. So, like, uh, obviously, kratom is never going to be, even if it gets scheduled, it's not going to be something that's regulated very well. Right. right. Especially because it's just like anything else. It's a tree you could grow in your backyard if you live in Florida. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the only thing is, it could potentially be regulated more, depending because it's it's the, what happened in 2016 with the DEA wanting to make it. So the, yeah, they wanted the, the DEA wanted to make it a Schedule One drug in 2016, and every like everyone was like, "What the fuck? Like that's insane." Uh, and gave them like a bunch of pushback, so they made it up to the to the individual states of like to decide what to do. Yeah. And so with with cannabis, it. Uh, it was federally they, illegal. Right. Well, they also, but they, they essentially like it, when Still a state is. makes it legal, it's up to the state to decide how they want to like go about like testing and everything. Yeah. So I know like in California, the cannabis testing is, uh, they test for less uh, things like, like metals and stuff like that uh, compared to Oregon, where Oregon's testing is like way, like they have to pass way more things uh to be able to get it approved to sell like uh recreationally yeah and right. so with that it uh kratom being a non-fda approved drug they don't have to do any of that shit <laughs> no, no but if you know it, it, they they could eventually it, yeah. depending on what the states decide to do right yeah i well, don't think banning it is a good idea at all exactly no. like, like again if it were to become scheduled like say ketamine is schedule three right and, and benzodiazepines are schedule four that still doesn't mean that you can go to your smoke shop and buy ketamine or benzodiazepines. Right. And have them be like safe and regulated. And I'd say the biggest like harm reduction thing to mention with Kratom, if you're going to buy it uh, in the status that it is right now, in the United States at least, uh, is to only search for companies online. Like Super Speciosa. Exactly. Super Speciosa, Speciosa, whatever. It's like the company, or there's a few companies like it where they actually upload their third-party testing results where they've sent the compound, they've sent their batch, you know, of Kratom through a gas chromatogram uh, mass spectrometry machine. And it shows them residual solvents. It shows them pesticides, heavy metals, things like that. And so they'll sell you a bag of Kratom that has like a little QR code on it. And you can scan that QR code and you can find those results and see that, oh, uh, a month before I bought this, they, they sent this Kratom into the lab a, a different lab, not theirs. That's a whole third-party testing thing. And right. they got it approved. Too. Yeah, no, and, th- and that's actually, like, that goes to say for any supplement or, you know, botanical thing that you might be buying from Safeway or whatever, your, your local grocery store, and thinking, you know, oh, I'm taking something that's going to be good for me. 
but it's not FDA approved. Having those kinds of results, those third-party analyses of either the pesticides or the heavy metals or any kind of contaminants that are in that is like that that that's what you should be looking for if you're going to buy these types of products because it like, shows they're not hiding anything. Right. It does. Yeah, and it, of course it could be fake, right? It, it right. 100% yeah. could be fake because again it's not FDA regulated. So uh, they could own that third party right. a testing facility and just like it, it like pass it off as oh we don't own this like it, it exactly. could be just a different owner technically or something like that right. i'm sure but it has happened oh it's definitely happened but i would say that more times like nine times out of ten maybe like i don't know i would say that buying a compound or a plant or whatever you're buying if you're buying it and they also are showing like hey look we have results from another chemistry lab that tested our drug or whatever we're selling you and here you go look that should make you feel a little bit better about buying that um, product rather than buying it from some smoke shop who is just like, here, yeah, $20, here's a bag of Kratom. Yeah. And that could have anything in it. It could have a synthetic opioid. It could have fentanyl in it and you wouldn't even know. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, a lot of the issue as well is a lot of people are finding that there's like toxic metals and stuff that's being found in Kratom and, you know, when you buy Kratom, like low quality Kratom that is not being tested and stuff. Uh, is this a lot of like toxic shit that they've been finding in Kratom, which is not oh, yeah. good because it's again well, not being regulated. I hate to have to say this, but if this, you know, is being mass produced from countries where there is a lot less regulation on products like this, uh, you know, than the United States, um, it makes sense that with a lot of the processing that other countries are doing, there's going to be metal leaching. There's going to be yeah, uh, you know, pesticide leaching into these compounds or into these products that they're creating because they just don't have the same level of uh, production that we have over here. Totally. Um, not to say that other countries are not doing as good as the United States. It's just more or less like, I mean, cocaine, for example, right? We don't, there's no third party testing on your cocaine. Um, Unless right. you test it yourself. Right. Sure, yeah. but not even that's then, not like, even a third again, party. Though. I guess that's nobody, first party testing. It's first yeah. party, but yeah. still, like nobody has one of those gas chromatogram machines for cocaine. Like they're not just sending their cocaine. <laughs> you just bring this. cocaine to work. You're like, <laughs> I need to test. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> can we can we can we run some residual solvents on this bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Try to figure out if there's any extra, uh, you know, gas. Yeah, yeah. Gas. So, I got gas. so just just to recap a little bit, uh, we kind of went over some of these things. Most people in the U.S. are probably familiar with Kratom from their local corner store or gas station, where they have most likely seen a giant neon sign or two advertising that they sell it, sell it, typically paired on the same side uh, as CBD, as they are both viewed as a strange alternative medicine. Uh, I've seen the, like literally just right down the road from my house. There's just giant signs that sell, says we sell kratom here and oh, CBD. Yeah. It's, yeah, always, it's always they're always a paired. Sign. Yeah, yeah, there's always a sign. It's there, like, there's always a sign and it's, kratom, and it's always paired with CBD, yeah. which is yeah, so funny because exactly. they're vastly <laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, dude, it's it's funny. Um, yeah, and, and we should talk about like most of the shops you're buying this stuff from. You're buying it in either powder or pill form, or like in a capsule form. Yeah, so. Uh, You'll typically find it behind the counter in little tiny packages that will contain either powder, kratom, or pre-dosed capsules uh, to the certain amount, whatever you're buying. And as long as you're above 18 years old, you can buy as much as your heart desires. You could buy as as much kratom as you want. You could buy them out. You could buy the whole lot. 
It doesn't matter. And now, this is a very first world way of purchasing Kratom that many of us can relate to. And But uh, acquiring a plant that has existed for a very, very long time is more complicated than just going to your corner store when it comes to uh, the people who had to grow it, like we were talking about. So let's jump back in time for a second instead of talking about uh, the U.S. and talk about a little bit of the history, which this history is going to be very similar to the mushroom and cocaine episodes where it's impossible to kind of pinpoint an exact date of the first consumption as people have been using this in Southeast Asia for centuries. Yep. Uh, These people would chew leaves. The the, uh, indigenous people of Southeast Asia would chew on the leaves. Very similar, actually, to the way that the people in South America would chew on coca leaves. It would be chewed as a medicine to treat pain while also being used as a form of energy like coffee. They would uh, use it for alternative things like intestinal deworming, diarrhea, cough, and other like physical ailments. And I've actually, I've actually, really? Yeah, I read that. And they used it for diabetes too. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know how that, how that would help at all. I mean, maybe for, I guess, pain at all or something. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) So, I found this very interesting that Kratom actually has a long history of being used at the same time as the betel nut, uh, as it is oh. also naturally occurring in the exact same areas in Southeast Asia. Right, yeah. And just to explain what the betel nut is for a second, just because I talked about it, uh, the betel nut is also a nut that comes off of a tree that is typically ingested by uh, smearing lime uh, limestone paste on the inside of the betel nut. And some people wrap it in things. Some people just raw dog the nut with the limestone. <laughs> <laughs> raw dog the nut. I didn't, even, I didn't even say that on purpose. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I, dude, that's my favorite. That's my favorite way of consuming betel nut is raw dogging it. <laughs> raw dogging the nut, so oh people god. will typically smear a little bit of limestone paste on there and wrap it in the betel nut leaf and then chew on it. Um, but the only reason I'm bringing up the betel nut is because it has been used uh, uh, forever in Southeast Asia along with Kratom, typically at the same time almost of, in a lot of areas. And the betel nut we will be talking about in the future because it is the fourth most common psychoactive psychoactive substance used in the entire world just wow. after nicotine, alcohol, and caffeine. Holy shit. I had no idea it was that popular. surprises me because I had never heard of it until I had... Um, a coworker from Southeast Asia, and he introduced me to betel nuts, and I've tried them, and they are fucking wicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they fuck your teeth up, though, don't they? Oh yeah, if you see a picture of someone like from uh, Indonesia or something that has been using them forever, their teeth are completely red. Wow. Yeah, yeah. they aren't they like way way popular in Guam? Yeah, uh, like- yeah, that's where my coworker was from was Guam. Damn. Yeah, I think the taxi drivers just like drive around eating betel nuts all day. Yeah, and he uh, he showed me like a little store here uh, that I could find them, a little like Pacific Island store, and I bought some and some uh, some paste, and was eating them for a while, and I was just like, wow, I see how these things are addictive. They get, they just get you kind of wonk. And it was funny oh, yeah. because he had just moved here from Guam for his wife to go to nursing school, and. He was saying it was sucked so bad because he would chew freaking like so many nuts a day. But he said in Guam, you didn't buy betel nuts. You just climb the tree and just go pick them. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have a quick question. Do you swallow these nuts? (laughs) (laughs) Typically, people spit the nut out. (laughs) Fucking pussies, dude. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I don't know. You know, Um, I I knew he would a lot of times swallow it because just the nature of the job, he couldn't be spitting. But that's so <laughs> fucked up gnarly. If you've ever chewed a battle nut, you don't want to swallow it. Like I if you're imagine, if you're yeah. uh, if you're a newbie at the sport. <laughs> yeah. All right, that makes sense. Uh, one thing that's interesting uh, to kind of relate it to back to kratom. Yeah. yeah. Is uh, so you're you're saying like a lot of people just like go and just pick them like in whatever countries they grow in. Right. That's, uh, a lot of times, still how it's consumed in uh, like I think, like I said, I think in twenty twenty one they made it legal again in Thailand and a lot of these countries in Southeast Asia that actually are still legal. Cause it's funny that a lot of these countries that where it started from have now made it illegal. Yeah. So, but whatever remaining countries are that are still legal, like I, apparently Thailand and some other, I don't know really any other countries, uh, but most uh, of the, still, most of the countries that it grows in, they all, seem to have local laws against ingesting, but have differing laws against exportation and uh, crops. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what, so relating to the whole like betel nut thing of eating just off of bushes, a lot of people, or however they grow off trees, a lot of people do the same with kratom. They just like walk into the forest and just fucking eat the leaves, which is yeah. the traditional way of eating kratom is a lot of, people that were like farming or whatever uh back in back in the day uh or for you know for centuries farmers have just been like people who own the farms take the leaves and feed them to their workers because it it makes them stimulated and also relieves pain so if you've had a hard day at work you can eat kratom ingest kratom and uh you'll feel a little bit better yeah so that's what I was reading a ton is that um, people would use it for work a ton. Uh, just yeah. for energy and then for when they were in pain. And um, a lot of the times when there was food shortages, I read that people would ingest Kratom instead, in, in, uh, instead of being able to eat food. <laughs> which is really interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's kind of like that, uh, that, that Dave Chappelle joke where he was like, oh, give all the guys, uh, give all the homeless people chewing gum just so they'll you know keep feeling hungry. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. Actually, that's really funny. <laughs> I think we said that in the first one. So. I was gonna say we said it in one of the. I think the cocaine. Uh, the cocaine, cocaine one yeah. because we talked about how the Central and South American uh, indigenous people would chew on the coca leaves it, when they were hungry and things because it would suppress their appetite. Right. That honestly, blows my mind because I'm sorry if I'm hungry and someone's like, "Do you want some stimulant? Do you want some cocaine?" I'm just like, "Nah." <laughs> oh yeah. No. Or you know, like when you have too much coffee in the morning and you haven't eaten anything, like that's a terrible feeling. That is Dude. a horrible feeling. Yeah, when you I'm feel surprised. the coffee hit the bottom of your fucking stomach and you're like, "Oh, I need to get food." In it's my just body uncomfortable now. jitters and just. Ugh. Yeah, which some people like, you know. I prefer like, to hit the buffet before hitting the bag. You feel me? <laughs> you just Yo, made me think drugs. Of, what? <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm sorry, but he just made me think of 
like hitting the bag. Oh, so I was slapping like, the bag. Oh, I was slapping the funny. bag so much at this festival, right? But then I heard people mention that they were like, I really want to name my kid Franzia oh, so I can just slap the God. shit out of them. Oh, oh my God. Was like, yeah. That's terrible. That's awesome. That is terrible, but that's hilarious. Uh, no, if drugs ever anyway. get legalized, dude, that'd be so funny. Open up a fucking restaurant called fucking… Uh, hit the buffet before you hit the bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or buffet and bags or whatever. Like, so you uh, fucking… Uh, yeah, so before you get in line to buy your fucking drugs, you, there's a fucking salad bar. <laughs> fucking, um, but yeah, dude, fucking Kratom, dude. Fucking history of Kratom, man. It's it's hard to hard to get a pinpoint, uh, an exact time that it started being used. It's been used for centuries, like we've mentioned. But there is dates of when it was first documented which was by a Dutch botanist. Uh, I don't know if his name is Peter or Peter because it's P-I-E-T-E-R, which is weird. Uh, I mean, I guess weird for like U.S. Uh, naming, you know, spelling of names. But anyways, yeah. Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Peter Willem Korthals uh, documented the plant sometime between the time of 1831 and 1836 because he was sent uh, by the... I don't know if it was the Dutch government or if it was by just whoever his bosses were. They sent him to <laughs> fucking Indonesia, uh, the islands of I don't I don't know if it's pronounced Java or Java, but I think it's Java. How's it spelled? J A V A, but it's Indonesian, so I don't know how they pronounce it. Oh yeah, I don't know. So I'm gonna call it Java. Uh, you know, that would be more Spanish. If, who knows, dude. <laughs> Anyways, Java, Java, uh, Java. Yeah, he, he went down to the island of Java. Yeah, and then he went down oh, to wait, the island it... of uh, Sumatra. Uh, is that where those uh, scheduled updates come from for your computer? To <laughs> oh my god, update your Java. I thought it was the stuff that you drink in the morning for energy. <laughs> Java. Java. Uh, anyways, uh, so he went to that island, uh, Sumatra, which is uh, also where coffee, a lot of famous coffees come from there. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the island of Borneo, Indonesia. So he went to those three islands to study basically just like the plants that grow there and found that everyone there was eating kratom a lot. Yeah. Uh, and what? so <laughs> so he in, in a study that he came out with in, I think it was 1836, uh, he, he wrote about it. But um, the time between 1831 and 1836 is like the first documentations of it. Right. And uh, this was in, sorry, what? Oh, no, I was just going to say, so this was the first documentation of it. But to find that, that information alone is so difficult because it's oh, yeah. so like misconstrued through history of like I, I couldn't find anything from local people writing about it and talking about it right yeah no yeah it it took me they were just eating it <laughs> yeah it took me so much time to like figure out and so much research to figure figure that out like that was like hours of research just to find that one thing yeah because uh, every time I, every article that you read is like Oh, yeah, it was founded in, like, Thailand and Malaysia, uh, and then been eating it for a while, and then <laughs> right. now it's popular, end of story. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's the whole article. It's like, Because it's, it's not as, like, popular as a, of, a, of a thing to ingest as, like, cocaine, and that's why, like, cocaine's history is well-documented. Um, but it, for this specific thing, that was all we could really find out, is that first Dutch botanist... Who went down there and wrote about it. And even finding that out was like pulling freaking teeth. Yeah. 
Totally. It's funny that you actually related, uh, you brought up the cocaine coca leaf thing is because that's essentially what Kratom was and is in Southeastern Asia. It's mm-hmm. like, like in, you know, in Mexico, Colombia or wherever like cocaine is grown, a lot of people like chew on the coca leaves and that's what they do in Southeast Asia, but with Kratom. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. Except for in the coca leaves, we know what to extract and what's the the primary compound getting you high. Micah, do you know right. at all like what is the primary thing oh, in yeah. Kratom getting you wigged out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is these- it? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like your laugh. <laughs> Uh, it's these two compounds. So there's actually, there's a few compounds that are considered, um, you know, active compounds within uh, the Kratom plant. Uh, that's the proper pronunciation. <laughs> no, that's the Hamilton Morris spot. Kratom. Which Kratom. is the Kratom. proper. Kratom. <laughs> yeah. um, so as Raven uh, botched it really early on in the beginning, it is Mitragena speciosa. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even um, correct him. It was just holding that one. <laughs> You're just holding yeah. on to that fucking bullet, dude. The bullet with your name on it all episode. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I've said it like three times too. I my, fucked it up probably every so time. So how is it? How is it? My my tragina. Oh shit! I thought I said oh. tragina. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fine. This is just how Latin works, right? Is it's like very difficult to yeah. uh, say. Um, it's a dead language anyway. Who cares? It is. Yeah. So that's why, like, honestly, whatever you said is true. Like tomato, tomato. It doesn't matter. Um, kratom, kratom. Latin people, they don't exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. there's no Latins anymore. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, canceled so there's actually there's uh, there's tons of compounds obviously because it's a plant like there's always going to be just tons of different compounds that doesn't mean that every compound within the plant is pharmacologically an active compound meaning like it has an effect on your uh, like mental state Um, there's two compounds though that we do know are active like psychoactive in uh, mitragena speciosa right kratom and the first one is mitragenine and then uh, 7-hydroxy mitragenine and interestingly enough, they are actually kind of different than the two of each other. Like uh, when it comes down to how they have an opioid effect. Um, weirdly enough, like the affinity of mitragenine for opioid receptors is less than that of morphine. Whereas for 7-hydroxymitragenine, it's far more potent than both. Uh, approximately 46 times that of mitragenine and then 13 times that of morphine. Um, and both of them act as agonists uh, with mitragenine being mostly uh, like an agonist at these mu and sigma uh, opioid receptors and then 7-hydroxymitragenine being more selective for um, the mu and the kappa opioid receptors. Um, mm, so so previously I thought that the reason it was able to be sold in stores is that it was only a partial agonist. It is. Oh, yeah. So it's not like a full-blown just Mm-mm. opioid agonist. No, and actually, I mean, uh-huh. that's one of the strange things is that they both behave as agonists, um, but there's data to show that mitragenine and 7-hydroxymitragenine are mixed opioid receptor agonists slash antagonists, meaning like one will behave as partial agonists at certain receptors like the mu opioid receptor, and then others will act as competitive antagonists at the sigma receptors with like not many effects on the kappa so it's this strange thing that happens a lot of times with botanical drugs where you're when you're dealing with multiple compounds that are acting at the same 
rate on receptors, there's competing. Like there's uh, like two compounds are competing for different receptors, um, meaning the effects are not going to be very like specific. Saying okay, well, if, if you have morphine, morphine is a agonist at mu opioid receptors. It fully comes on and it hangs out on that receptor, and this is what it does. And you've got kratom where. If you were to take kratom and break it down into these two different compounds, you have mitragynine, and you could do studies with mitragynine, and you could show, okay, mitragynine is either a partial or a full agonist at these different mu or kappa, whatever receptors, right? But then you could take 7-hydroxymitragynine, and you could do the same result or the same study with receptors and go, oh, well, this drug is actually doing something different to these receptors than the mitragynine was. Now, you add those two drugs together like they normally would be ingested when taking the plant. Now you're going to have a whole new range of effects. So with studies where they take a drug out of a plant or they just synthetically create the drug, right, and they add it to a Petri dish with neurons or cells um, and they, they do studies, specifically these receptor studies, they're adding proteins and they're going, oh, look, this compound attaches to this protein, this mu opioid or this kappa opioid receptor protein, Right. When they do that, they can show results, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be very representative of what's going on in the person or the animal or whoever ingests this plant, which is an extract pretty much. Uh, it's been processed down. You're not just taking the leaves and making a tea. It's usually like a ton of powder that's been you know, processed down. That is going to have a different effect on receptors than just these two drugs are. So I'd say take it lightly when we say that, oh, well, it's just a partial agonist, blah, blah, blah. It does all this stuff. A lot of the argument with Kratom is that it's not considered your classical opiate or opioid or whatever because it's something where you've got the uh, the, the other naturally occurring opiates that we know of are uh, codeine and morphine, right? Within- All derived from uh, the poppy. Exactly. And we know very much so what codeine does on its own. We also know what morphine does on its own, and we know what they both do in combination when taken as opium latex. So the thing with Kratom is that it's still pretty misunderstood, and that's just due to the fact that it's not been used in Western researched medicine, I guess, for a very long time. Um, It's something that's really starting to blow up in this side of the world, and we do have the means of studying it now to really understand like what's going on with it. The best thing that I could say is the thing that's interesting about Kratom and the compounds within Kratom and how they work pharmacologically is that they could actually be used and they are being used effectively for people. This is anecdotal reports still, but uh, a lot of people take Kratom to get themselves off of things like heroin or prescription opioids that they have been taking. And they'll do it you know, in replace of things like the opioid uh, agonists, the par- partial agonists that you can take out there right now, which are bu- buprenorphine and uh, and methadone, right? So right. Um, there's there's two drugs that are very commonly used. Uh, the brand names are Suboxone and Methadone, and those drugs act similarly in the brain to 7-hydroxymitragynine and mitragynine. They are ah. partial agonists, and so they can't cause, as far as I know, and I'll have to fact check this, but. I was under the impression that a partial agonist doesn't have the ability to cause respiratory depression um, in the same way that a full agonist at the mu opioid, specifically the mu, uh, would have. So something like morphine and heroin can kill you um, because the drug hangs out too long 
and it activates this one receptor too much to the point that uh, that receptor being activated so much tells other parts of the brain to, hey, you have no gag reflex now. Hey, you have no ability to breathe now. So when that person ODs, they you know choke on their vomit or they just breathe so slowly that they lose oxygen in the brain and they die. And sure. so the thing about Kratom is that it's not very fatal, right? It's just like, it's something that could be used to get off of things that are fatal. Uh, however... There have been reports of people who have died from Kratom, and typically it's when Kratom has been combined with another drug. So that's where the most conflicting information comes in when we're talking about uh, fatalities and overdoses. So uh, I know I did, we always do separate research and try to find the most reputable sources and kind of come together and share what we found and then try to you know, go with the most reputable source when we're going over these episodes and doing our research. So for what I found is that over 18 months in 2016 and 2017, 152 overdose deaths involving Kratom were reported in the United States with Kratom as the primary overdose agent in 91 of those deaths and seven of them, Kratom being the only uh, agent detected. But Hmm. we have also found conflicting information in several different reputable sources. So that's where talking about the the deadliness of Kratom comes in because also, I want to just mention this really quick. In 2018, there was a huge flood of salmonella in the United States linked to Kratom because salmonella, mm. I don't know if you guys know this, is most common on leafy green vegetables it's not meat typically that you're going to get salmonella from it's from unwashed vegetables so in 2018 uh 130 people became ill with salmonella after taking kratom and that linked to 35 deaths so yikes when talking about kratom you also have to factor in those things salmonella different uh contagions or uh like things that were left on the plant or unprocessed out or not not clean, it being not an FDA approved drug. So I, I just don't know when it, when they're talking about over 18 months, there was seven Kratom related deaths with Kratom being the only uh, found active agent uh, in the, in the autopsy. So it's just, it's just hard to, cause Ryan, you found something different, right? Yeah, I read that. Uh, I think this was an article that came out in 2018 that over the past, uh, I want to say they said like 10 years. I don't remember the exact article and all the things that said, but essentially there were four, there were 15 total deaths that were related to Kratom, uh, or I guess related in the sense that they had Kratom in their system. Um, As the primary thing? or No, or the only, no, 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 no. So only okay. one of those of those 15 deaths was Kratom being the primary or only drug uh, in their system, whereas the other 14 had other drugs. And they didn't, they didn't list what other drugs were in their systems. Um, but Yeah, so that's vastly different than the primary overdose agent in 91 deaths with seven of them being Kratom as the only one. And both of these came from reputable sources. So it's really hard to say because that's the only reason we are including this in the episode is because they both came from reputable sources. So it's hard to say. 
I like right. I I can't personally say because I didn't do the research. Like, well, I didn't do the study. You know, so. right? And well, I mean, again, it's one of the hardest things though because it's a plant. So right. there's yeah. there's tons of things that could go could be going on like weird interactions between allergies a, even right like a compound that's in the plant that you didn't even think was in the plant and it, it has nothing to do with opioid but you know uh somebody died from it i mean that's the thing there's been seizures reported from kratom right and a, a lot right. of people thought that it was because of the tramadol uh being or, or odsmt a research chemical opioid being added to kratom products and that's Whoa. how people were having um, and ODSMT is just a research chemical of uh, it, it, it's like an analog of tramadol. So ah. um, tramadol actually in any anyone I think normal patients can cause seizures when withdrawing from it. It's a weird opioid. Um, I don't know how, but I know that OHSU even has done research on kratom and how it has had seizure indications. Now there's been seizure indications from kratom without tramadol. So it's very possible that there are compounds within Kratom that we just don't really understand very well that are interacting with other compounds in any situation. Like it Even dietary. Have, exactly. Like a food you could be eating with Kratom and it could suddenly make Kratom fatal. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good um, point. It's kind of like how people say like don't drink grapefruit juice while, you know, on certain drugs or whatever. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They just don't know a lot about it because, I mean, so some of the research I read is that Kratom wasn't even introduced to the United States until like the late 1980s and like 1990s. So that's really not that long that it's been even introduced, let alone attempted to research in, you know, in, in this country. Um, I did read some something interesting about like, because we've been talking about like overdoses and deaths and stuff. Um, and this, is, and this was a study with rats. So it's not really like, as we've said before, it's not. Obviously not a human. It's a rat, so it's you can't really completely compare it. But they Way gave stronger than a human. Are you much fucking, stronger? <laughs> fucking rat shaming over here. Yeah, yeah rat, dude. Are you rat shaming? I You're am gonna rat, get us canceled for that. I am rat shaming. shaming. The rat community is gonna come after us. <laughs> Sorry, Theo Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> what? He calls okay. himself the Rat King, dude. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, so does every guy with a fucking rat tail. Or that's like, a good mullet. point. <laughs> but he's the, he's rat well, he's not the OG. Joe Dirt's the OG, but he's the. He passed the torch. Anyways, um, yeah, so they, they tested, they did a study with rats that they gave them all sorts of doses of Kratom to see what would happen and to see how it would help with opioid addiction and stuff. And they found that it helped a ton with opioid addiction. And they gave the rats, like, human doses of Kratom and they didn't, none of them died, which is pretty interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because, so that's the strange thing about, like, the rats, being like able to get off their first thing that they were addicted to and, and like getting on the kratom because right. there are studies that show that rats will do the same exact level of addictive behavioral properties or like traits uh, as heroin or morphine or anything like that with kratom. So like ah. they'll completely stop drinking water to drink more kratom, and they'll wow. stop eating so that they you know like there's studies that are showing that kratom is almost as addictive as morphine, if not potentially more addictive than morphine. And um, can lead to um, withdrawal effects too. If oh, I'm not yes. mistaken. Because if, if we want to a little bit talk about our personal experience, like I've definitely done Kratom before. Uh, it was just sporadically, you know, I was just like, 
trying to get into it a little. <laughs> Not get into it, but I just wanted to figure it out, you know, like try you it. just wanted to see what the hype was about. So, uh, like once a week, I would go to the gas station and buy the little pack of the whatever I, I researched to be the safest one from the gas station or whatever. And the little capsules that I would take way more than recommended. And it, it kind of had an opiate effect. You know, it gives you the itches. It gives you the little... Like going out in the couch and just like kind of laying there. And but how much? How much were you taking though? Uh, I don't remember. If it was capsules, probably the whole were, bag. I mean, if you're, I would empty the capsules out because they yeah. didn't have any like powder there. But. So probably like I don't know half an ounce. So like a really right. high dose. It was yeah, a really high they dose. say they say like a general dose of of kratom is anywhere like ten to fifty milligrams, right? Oh what? no no no! no. Really? Much more no. than that. Yeah, oh, okay. anywhere anywhere <laughs> yeah. between two to four grams. Yeah. Oh, are you serious? Because I I, I was taking around twelve in, grams. Every you're probably time thinking extract. Oh yeah, like that, that extract. Sense. Yeah, but just whole leaves like ground up. Two grams Tastes is like, like a low shit. dose. Four oh. grams is like a mid dose, and like anything above four to five grams is considered high for a naive user. However, wow. if, if you've been someone who's been taking opioids for years and now you're trying to get off of opioids, you're likely going to take 10 grams of Kratom the first time because it's just like where your tolerance is at. Well, so, as I someone, I, I've never been a regular user of opioids, but I did take around 10 grams every time I tried Kratom just as someone who has done a fair amount of opiates. You know, I, I feel like I, I'm used to it. Uh, I know the effects very well. So... Um, I would take around 10 grams. And the reason I actually stopped taking Kratom is because I would only do it like once a week, maybe twice a week. And the reason I stopped is because I took like 12 grams and you you kind of, the way I would do it is I'd heat up a little bit of water, put the Kratom in. It's super hard to mix up. It comes just like a gross green sludge. It looks disgusting. It smells disgusting. And I drank it down, and then within like uh, like 20 minutes, I was like laying there, just uncomfortable, sick to my stomach. And I've never had this happen with anything else. I stood up and just knew I'm going to puke. Like, this is happening wow. right now. And I, I, I ran to the bathroom, and I couldn't even make it to the bathroom. I puked all over the, the, the mirror. I puked oh all God. over the wall. <laughs> puked all over the toilet. And it's just green, like, uh. projectile vomiting. And, and, like, cleaning that up, like, while I'm still, like, fucking on creative and just, like, way too much of it. And just the smell of that alone makes me so nauseous. Uh I could never take Kratom again after that. Uh, It's the same way that like one of the first times I ever got drunk was on tequila and I puked everywhere, obviously. And then for years, I couldn't drink tequila because just the smell of it alone kind of brought up those feelings of just sickness. And like your body kind of gets that uh, like that's poison. Don't ingest that feeling. Well, at least mine does Um, when it comes to sensatory things like smell when you smell that you're like that's poison yeah. don't ingest that so totally that, that that's my experience with kratom is it was just fucking it, it was okay it never was like fun for me it okay. never it, like it never hit that opioid fun of like popping a couple perks and just chilling yeah, on the couch <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to so like no, i think the different like, yeah, so yeah, Micah has a completely different experience than me. Right, like, yeah. him and I have a completely all differing opinions, which is really cool because we've talked about kratom a lot, and we both have plenty of experience with it. And he has a completely different opinion than me. Right, and I actually used to use kratom honestly medicinally rather than 
uh, for recreation when I first started using it because uh, I dealt with a lot of like digestive issues for a while and uh, some irritable bowel syndrome. Um, a little IBS. Yeah, a little IBS, you know, uh, typical American problem. Um, More like irritable boy syndrome, this guy. Oh, yeah. my God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A little smack him. Um, but no, I mean, like, I knew that Kratom could be, uh, you know, it's similar to opioids because it still has these, you know, it has affinity for opioid receptors. So uh, knowing that it could cause, <laughs> like, constipation, Right. Um, was something that I was like, oh, well, this could be a compound that could be beneficial for IBS. And there's a lot of people in the Kratom community with like Reddit and stuff who typically like that this is why they use it is for just like having irritable bowel syndrome symptoms, right? So they'll take Kratom to actually help them with their digestive system. And is that a good thing? Sure. You know, it's helping temporarily. Uh, is it the best thing or the right thing to do? No, um, it's not. A, it should not be considered a dietary supplement, in my opinion. It should not be considered something that you use to uh, help yourself. Like it, it's something that should never be used over a year. Now, if you have a condition like opioid addiction, uh, dependence, or even just IBS, and you feel like this is the only thing that's going to work for you, it probably will work for you for a period of time. Sure. But again, it's an opioid. I don't care. There's people that will argue. There's articles out there that'll say that Kratom is not an opioid or an opiate or whatever because it just is not, it doesn't have the same uh, pharmacological action or mechanism of action that other opioids and opiates do. I don't give a shit. If it affects opioid receptors or opiate receptors, whatever you want to call them, if it's going to affect them and, and attach to them, I'm calling it an opiate. Yeah, uh, right. And if the fact that it has withdrawal symptoms that are just as severe as heroin withdrawal, then I'm going to call it an opiate. And so that's the thing is that, yeah, I, with Kratom, honestly, I used it for over a year. Um, not every single day, but pretty much close to every single day. I like to try to take breaks uh, for tolerance, right? Uh, you know, just the fact that it costs a lot of money. Um, right. But I did use it. It's not that much money. I bought a kilo for like 40 bucks or 60 bucks or something. Well, yeah, I mean, a kilo, I think, is more around 100, 110. There's no um, way I spent that much. Did a I? thousand grams? Yeah. Because oh, I bought a kilo, but I don't remember it being 100. Definitely, uh, th- definitely actually, wasn't no, $40. No, but. no. You know what it was? They were having a crazy sale, and you yeah. messaged me. You were like, if you want to buy Kratom, buy it right now on Super Speciosa. And right. It's, so I think it was around 60 bucks. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's totally, like, there's people, like Hamilton, actually. Hamilton Morris has talked about in one of his episodes where he, like, bought when one of the scares back in 2018 was going on that it might become... Uh, regulated and, and like fully like you just couldn't buy it anymore kind of thing uh he bought like a few kilos of it and he's like it's just been sitting in my closet because it's something that i don't think i'll ever actually take yeah however the fact that knowing a drug is going to be non-existent he wanted to buy it and i don't blame him i'm the same way yeah. with a lot of compounds where i don't really feel like it's something i'm gonna like but knowing that it was created i'm kind of like hmm i would like to like hold on to this to know a little bit more about it um, sure Kratom, though, like, this is one of those things where it was actually the reason, like, I really wanted to do this episode recent, like, now, was that I have had people in the past couple of weeks, oddly enough, ask me about Kratom, um, just being like, hey, is this something that I should take? You know, like, I had a coworker, actually, who was like, hey, uh, I know a friend who says that it's, like, 
sunshine on their brain. Um, that it just has helped them so much with like work and other things that they have told me to take it. And now this is a coworker of mine who like does not do drugs. Like they're not someone who is involved in like the drug community at all. They don't really, they don't party. They don't do stuff like that. And they were like, hey, should I take this drug? And I said, no, 100% do not get involved in this at all. And the reason that I say that is, sure, I've taken it a lot. And I did go through withdrawal symptoms that I didn't expect to happen, right? Like I didn't think they were going to happen because I didn't think that I was abusing the drug. But it's an opiate. Right. Hands down, it's affecting opioid receptors. So if you don't want to deal with uh, a heroin withdrawal, which is, again, we've mentioned this before, it's just severe flu symptoms. It's not fatal. It's not something that's going to make you like die or have a hard time. Like You're just going to be bedridden for two weeks in a lot of pain and feeling very sick. So this same thing will happen with Kratom. And I think that it has a time and a place. I think that Kratom could be very well used in specific settings uh, for things like getting off of opioids. Um, but again, it's the same way I feel about methadone and suboxone. I do not think that those drugs should be used as permanent. Lifelong. Like, yeah, like for the rest yeah. of your life, you should take this medication so you don't go back to heroin. No, I think any opiate someone should never, ever take for more than a year. Like yeah, for sure. Whatever that's even pushing it. Well, depending depends, on the yeah. ailment, exactly yes. depends on what thing you had. If you yeah. had a crazy surgery or your foot is broken or whatever it is, I think over a year, no matter what, if you've taken an opiate for over a year, you are going to experience withdrawals trying to get Absolutely, off of it. Yeah. So yeah, less than a year of using it, awesome. Even less than that, better. But the most that you should ever take something, I think, like that is like a year. And if you go beyond that. There's no reason. Like my dad, for example, is a perfect example of this, where when I met him, this is a person who's been addicted to heroin since they were 15. And then he was like, hey, let's go to the methadone. I met him, you know, he's like 50 something when I meet him. And he goes, let's go to the methadone clinic. Can you want to just wait outside? I'll be out in a little bit. And we go down and he grabs his stuff. And I ask him like, oh, how long have you been taking methadone? And he goes, oh, 15 years. And I'm like, so do you still take heroin? And he goes, yeah, if it's ever around, of course, I'll dabble a little bit. And I'm like, so you're just using the government's like resources that they've given you, trying to give you this methadone every day to help you stay off of heroin. But yet when you just say fuck it and you want to hang out and have a good time with the homies, you do heroin. So I don't think that, and I'm sorry to anyone that this may trigger, but I don't believe that suboxone or methadone should be used at all. Um, I think that people who are on opioids, I'm sorry to have to say this, I think that they need to take the hard way out and get off that shit on their own. Yeah, yeah. but that's mo- much more of a psychological thing than a physical thing. It, but because it's a both it, because thing. I've seen, I've seen it, it is a both. It is a hundred percent both. And Mike is not saying addiction is a choice whatsoever. That's not. We've it's said it in previous episodes. Addiction is not a choice. It's very much like genetic, and it's not. Something that you could just stop easily. Um, that being said, I have definitely seen people take the hard way out, but then take the hard way right back in. Like right. It, it, so, it, it is not that simple. No. Um, but what we're what we kind of all are are in agreement is that um, these things like taking kratom, and I've I've met a, a, an addict that um, uses kratom every single day because he is not on heroin anymore and 
he found that substitution because he never wanted to have the withdrawals. And he he was doing it. He wasn't taking heroin. Um, and I am not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. So I can't say which one's better. Because honestly, heroin, honestly, in the long term of drugs is one of the not as bad drugs to take in a long term scenario. Am I right? Oh, yeah. It's literally… Well, opiates in general are yeah. not that toxic of drugs. Right. They don't cause a heavy level of brain damage like Adderall or Ritalin would. Right? And amphetamine, yeah. Any amphetamine. They don't cause death when trying to withdraw from them. Right. So, in a sense, they are actually fairly safe compounds. And that's part yeah. of why they've probably been prescribed so much. Yeah. And used so much by people and just thinking, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But yet, the heroin thing is a word. Heroin is that thing that people hear and they go, ugh, that's that nasty dude I saw on the street shooting up heroin. So dumb. Everyone I've met who's yeah. not in the drug community, I've, I have friends. I've met like people this. in the drug community who are like, ugh, heroin? It's right. like you don't know what oh, you're yeah, talking no. about then. Well, and they always think that the only way you can do heroin is by injecting Yeah, it. yeah. And they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, obviously it's bad for you because you inject it. And so I'm like, no, heroin can be done in many other ways. And I'd say it's a 50-50 split between people who smoke it and shoot I've it. I've never met someone who injects heroin. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, a couple right. people. Yeah, I have. Yeah, you have. Yeah. I would say it's more… <laughs> from the people that I've known that do heroin, I definitely think it's more rare to find someone that actually injects than Me someone too. that smokes it. Yeah, right. I, um, I've hung out with a heroin dealer who was smoking it. And like, yeah. and, and then all of us were smoking it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Since when? Oh <laughs> I have never done or smoked heroin. Putting that on the record, you guys can say whatever you want about me, but I Pussy. haven't done heroin. No, see, this, no, no, is, no, no. this is why uh, Micah and I can talk on these things is because yeah. we have first world experience with right. them. Totally. Uh, one of the things I did want to ask about… So you're, you're saying how heroin is like a full agonist uh, on the mu, mu opioid receptors… And the that kratom is uh, like a half agonist, what, what, partial, partial, Par, yeah. partial agonist. Sorry, that's what it technically is called. It competes. Um, Dang it, like. So, uh, so <laughs> how does that work with uh, like withdrawal symptoms? Like, do like compare? So, comparatively with like an agonist versus like a partial agonist, do you still get the exact same withdrawal I feel symptoms? Like, like, is it is it worse? Are withdrawal symptoms worse with a full agonist than like a partial agonist? Probably, yeah. Right. Um, okay, that's what I was thinking. So, again, um, a lot of it comes down actually to like how potent this compound is at being an ag agonist. Meaning, so agonist, all this means, and I know we've mentioned this before, but I think it helps, is just to say that when this compound comes in to the brain, right, it, it is, there's the little, little, there's these proteins that are hanging out on neurons, brain cells, right? And these proteins are called receptors. Really, like, but so what I'm trying to say is like a, the drug is like the key in the sense that the receptor is the lock or the like hole where the key fits into. And so with something like fentanyl, right? Fentanyl is so much stronger at locking in, like being the key to this protein, this mu opioid protein. It hangs out and it just like fully clicks in. And it, let's just say it locks, right? Because it does. And the thing that is weird about that is that it is so much stronger at doing that than something like morphine or heroin. And that's why fentanyl is so much more deadly. Um, sure. Okay. Interesting. So with that said, something that only hangs out partially. So let, let's say that key is cut into thirds. 
And a third of that it's key… It's almost like a lockpick set. And they're just jiggling. Exactly. They're using the, the little jiggler. Yeah. So Kratom is coming in there and trying to fucking like fiddle with that lock. Yeah. As a partial agonist. And it is hanging out there. But it's not always hanging out there. And so something like uh, naloxone, Narcan. If you give someone Narcan with Kratom… Now, they're… It's like putting silly putty in the lock. Yeah, in a way. I mean, it's it's honestly like filling up that lock with cement yeah. and pushing the key out, yeah. the kratom. Mm. And that pushing it out effect is going to be way less severe than trying to push fentanyl or heroin out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's why Narcan, when they give Narcan to someone, they have to give them like four times the amount than they would with a heroin ov- overdose, right? Is that the uh. fentanyl drug is literally hanging out in that receptor like just so gnarly that it doesn't want to get out. And so… Long story short, going back to what you asked, this is how with withdrawal, it works the same kind of way. When we think of naloxone, Narcan, as a drug that's preventing overdose, it is actually initiating 100% instant withdrawal symptoms, right, in somebody. It's, it's stripping all of those drugs out of those receptors immediately, whereas that's something that in detox, you would spend a couple of weeks doing, you know, in rehab, Right. So with Kratom and Suboxone and Methadone, whatever, they are probably going to be less severe to get off of. And I'm, I'm saying probably because not everyone is the same. Right. Um, I have a family member, right, who had to get off of Suboxone when they were living with us. And uh, it was a hard thing to experience because it was like, oh, they're going through all this pain and they're and they're going through all this sickness and stuff like that. However, that is nothing like getting off of heroin, right? So getting off of Kratom is not going to be the same as getting off of something like heroin or fentanyl or morphine or whatever. However, again, it's still going to be the same symptoms, right? Right. They're just for sure. not going to be as severe. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's definitely what I was what I However, was curious like, I'll, on. I'll honestly admit it, like I went through Kratom withdrawals. Um, to me, that was the worst thing I've ever experienced when it comes to withdrawals. Actually, never mind. It's not. But uh, the reason I say it's one of the worst is that I've taken other drugs, um, heavy drugs that I thought would have, you know, made me feel like a, like shit getting like out of them and not doing them anymore. But Kratom was the one where it really was like weeks long worth of, you know, sweating when you're sleeping. Um you know, diarrhea, right? Just like terrible symptoms that are typical of opioid users uh, that there's no way you can get out of that without taking more opioid or just getting over it. And I don't mean to say that in a way of like, oh, people who are addicted to opioids should just get over it. But I truly do think that, you know, people like psych substance um, taking, you know, testosterone to get off of opioids, specifically Kratom, is just not, uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I, I don't see that yeah. getting off of Kratom should not require any more pharmacological intervention. Especially right. well, testosterone replacement. Exactly. It's, well, so and strange. obviously that is just quote quotes for juice. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, if you've seen yeah, any I, of his I videos, to... he's fucking jacked in like a week. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not on yeah. steroids. 
Yeah. No, he, I mean, he literally has to tell you guys, like, hey, guys, I'm not taking steroids. I am oh. definitely just doing testosterone therapy. Oh, and guess what? All my fucking drug addict friends who were not doing the drug that they told you over and over and over that they're not doing, guess what they were doing? Guess the only reason they had to tell you they weren't doing it is yeah. because they <laughs> were doing it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We know addicts. We've been around addicts. We have yeah. had our own personal addictions. We know these things. Like, if an addict is telling you over and over and over and over that they're not doing something, that means they're doing something. Like, yeah. well, not, it's not every single time the case, but it's most of the time. Like, yeah. not to freaking stand on my own little soapbox. When I didn't <laughs> drink for freaking four months, nobody knew. I didn't like there was few people around me close that like were like, hey, do you want to drink? And I was like, no. And like I kind of maybe explained it a little bit. But most people had no idea. Right. When you're doing something for yourself and when you're actually clean, you don't need to brag about it. There's right. no reason to make it just super public and super aware. It's just like it's just it's for yourself. It's to get clean. The minute you start preaching like that to me, it's like you're something's up. Yeah. Well, for and sure. I know that for a lot of people in like uh recovery right there is like uh, there's people telling them that you need to go out and like tell your family and friends about what's going on in your life like you need to let them know that hey i am trying to get off of this drug uh -oh. and this is what i'm doing to better myself and the reason that i called him out psyched substance everybody on youtube is that i don't think in my opinion that being addicted to things like Kratom or Kratom or whatever the fuck you want to call it or addicted to anything that you took on YouTube as a video to make money. For clout. For clout, for reputation that you are now saying, hey, everyone, guess what? I don't think that this is good for anyone and that the best thing that you should do to get off of something like this is become a bodybuilder and get really just buff and just get addicted to... He literally told people to please get off of what they're addicted to and switch their addiction to bodybuilding addiction. Which exercise is just as much of an addiction for a lot of people as drugs. Especially when yeah. steroids start getting involved. Yeah. Like a lot well, of these people think that it's okay to get into juicing because they're bettering themselves. They're, they're making themselves more healthy no, by being yeah. bigger and better. But... Truly enough, they just swapped out one addiction for another. And one of the only main reasons why we're gonna like why we're why we're targeting this one individual is because he has went on the internet and demonstrated himself taking drugs, all these drugs, and kind of put on blast like all these different markets, all these different drugs, and and shown people like, hey, I'm gonna take these drugs and look real cool, and like, look, I'm a freaking. He's I'm trying to act like high. a scientist. He wears a lab coat, sometimes. right? Yeah, so he's doing that. And he's also taking all these drugs and like videotaping his reactions to these drugs. That is something we are never going to advocate and never going to do. This is an educational thing and drugs should always be educational. You shouldn't take drugs on fucking video and be like, look at me, I'm high. And, and he'll go right, to yeah. like concerts and venues and things and be like, what drugs are you on? That is so cringe. Yeah, That is yeah. so fucking cringe. It's, Not even just cringe. It's wrong. It's, it's wrong. spreading misinformation in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. it's saying, oh, look how I reacted. You're probably going to react like this. Exactly. No. Yeah. That is not how I mean, that's exactly works. what he's saying about the opioid thing. Like, I got off Kratom and the only way I would, he said like this whole thing about how he, like his family kicked him out 
and he doesn't have family or friends anymore because of his kratom addiction. And now because of his bodybuilding addiction, he believes that his life is now better and that everyone else should also do this. Now, I will admit, I also have another family member who did the same thing where by getting off of opioids, they got on to uh, athleticism, right? Bodybuilding. And they believed that that was the only thing that was going to really help them get out of their opioid addiction. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it's awesome. Like you found something else that's better for you. To go and tell the rest of the world that that is how you should get off of this drug is just completely wrong. It's problematic. It's not sure. how this works. Swap your addictions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been trying to say this whole time is that it's what swapping one thing for another isn't really a good thing. Like, like if you're taking fucking, if you get addicted to opiates and then all of a sudden you stop opiates and then you start like getting addicted, drinking alcohol drinking, or something or doing Kratom, like exactly what he was doing gets addicted to Kratom and is like, Oh, now I'm addicted to Kratom. Like, okay, now let me start taking testosterone because now I'm addicted to Kratom. And that's what all these like heroin addicts and all these opiate addicts, when they start taking methadone or suboxone, all they're doing is swapping one thing for another. When well, it's like, I mean, and, that, that's like the mind of an addict, though. When I stopped drinking yeah. for a while, I started drinking caffeine again. I, I was not a coffee yeah. drinker until I stopped drinking. And then it's like, okay, now I need coffee. Like, just you need something. And I, I will relate to that and I will empathize with that and I'll sympathize with that. Like, I understand that feeling of swapping one addiction for another because the, the mind of someone who just cannot be okay in like normal functioning life, I understand that. I understand yeah, swapping, no. but advocating for it is horrible. No, yeah. All I'm saying is if you're going to swap your addiction for something, make sure you swap it for something that's actually healthy and not destroying your body or Okay, your but life. you sound like side substance right now. No, because I'm not. To, no, uh, to no him, don't swap your addiction. To him, testosterone replace, like testosterone therapy is like healthy. That's not healthy though is what I'm saying. Like is, that's not a healthy replacement. Like if you're going to stop doing so heroin or stop doing replacement. Go to the gym and work out without testosterone. Go okay. to fucking go on a hike, go on a walk, like fucking take vitamins, like fucking drink coffee. That's great. Cool. Whatever. Don't start <laughs> fucking doing tons of drugs of other drugs trying to be like, oh, cool. Like this is going to get me by so, instead of doing fucking do freedom. You, do you know why people get very into things like testosterone or estrogen therapy because of opioids? Uh, I don't know, actually. Because opioids interfere with your endocrine system big time. Okay. Your hormonal like system. So things like abusing opioids like heroin, whatever, it will destroy your testosterone at one point. So does uh, alcohol. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. And so like many, many drugs do. But I think with opioids, they're considered some of the most addictive drugs by the community. Um, you know what? My ADHD or whatever it is, my autism is. Like, <laughs> Mike always needs to be clicking me. something. <laughs> you heard any clicking in the background? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> All right, I gotta so anyway. get a whip. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd like that. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> um, I don't know. So uh, back. Let's just let's just let's just dial this back. Back to kratom. Do you so in the 1960s and published in the 1970s? There was actually what I found uh, was a, a research done in Thailand showing that kratom could actually give you psychosis, drug induced psychosis, like almost more 
Uh, I can't say more common than other drugs because it was a very commonly used drugs, uh, drug. But um, there was actually a study d- uh, done showing five participants who had full-blown induced psychosis from using Kratom. Does it say why? Like what What was it? What Like how much did they take? Or what setting were they doing? I mean like… Because the thing is there's studies that show that uh, synthetic THC will induce psychosis. And there's like full-blown publications that the title of the publication is something like THC induces psychosis in normal healthy adults. Whereas now that's not true. Uh, sure it does in some people but that's synthetic THC that was injected into the vein of someone and then go they go, oh look, this person's experiencing psychosis. So with five participants with a Kratom study, it makes me feel like that's not very well, accurate. Well, it was five different case studies. So okay, it was still it was it was five different like uh one was a 32-year-old Thai laborer who was using Kratom uh at, since the age of 22, but he noticed that when he combined Kratom with alcohol, he started having hallucinations and things like that. So it's it just like, are it's all interesting. these case studies with combinations? No, 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 no. So there was one uh, a person who was 31 years old, a married laborer who began ate, eating Kratom when he was 14. And he complained that ever since he started eating Kratom, he suffered from dizziness, headaches, hallucinations, delusions, and confusions. So I just wonder if that's kind of the thing we've talked about with other drugs, where it's just uh, almost a schizophrenia thing. Like uh, with drug-induced yeah, yeah. psychosis yeah. can happen from anything. Right. So I just found that... Ve- I just wanted to bring this up because I found it very interesting that it seems like any drug could give you drug-induced psychosis? Well, especially drugs that um, affect dopamine. Oh, okay. Right? So any any drug that is going to make you feel like really good and have a pleasurable, rewarding effect, right, is affecting the reward pathway that we've mentioned in previous episodes. And that reward pathway, if activated too much, can, for some individuals, create a almost paranoid, uh, schizophrenic-type uh, symptom. Right or, or or variety of symptoms. Yeah, and like drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine and stimulant drugs, they'll obviously do that at a higher extent at a way quicker rate. Where someone will take it, they'll take recreational doses for a weekend and then spend no time sleeping, and then suddenly they're seeing people that aren't there, yeah. and then they're feeling like, oh, like the world is out to get me. Things like opiates, if you're doing them every single day, I mean, you said this guy reported this at what age? And he uh, started all, all, it at all, di- all differing ages, but uh, and right. and then they typically reported it around the time that they started their use. Oh. Uh, and another thing I kind of want to mention that is very important when we're talking about kratom is that uh, during this kind of uh, during this observation, the survey, this study, seventy three percent of them were using white vein kratom. This ah. is something we have not mentioned. That we should yeah. mention that there are two different strains. We should have it's actually three different the, strains. Oh, I've three. been wanting to mention this most. Uh, so, so this is something we should have mentioned the big in the beginning. Yeah, it's a great way to bring it up right now. Um, so, seventy three percent of these addicts that um, so they they surveyed a bunch of people, like a ton of people, uh, different age groups. This was in the nineteen sixties in Thailand. Seventy three percent were using white vein, uh, and sixteen percent were using. Uh, red vein. Okay. Yeah. The so is, is, and then this this uh, uh, study tried to say that there is a difference uh, between the veins. 
Yeah. So when the, the leaves look the same, but there are different colored veins within the leaf. Like the thing that goes right down the middle. And this yeah. study tried to say that there is a difference. Micah, do you know anything about the psychological difference between the veins? Yeah. Um, so just like with any plant, uh, a lot of... And, and this is something that is not very well known between like a lot of people who take <laughs> uh, cannabis or kratom or opium or whatever, right? That compounds within plants that are grown in different regions are going to be at varying levels. So... Uh, something like the cannabis plant. I use this one as an example because uh, it's now being very well studied, right, for the m- many different compounds that are in it. We've found anti-inflammatory compounds in cannabis. We've found anti-carcinogenic. We've found these terpenes, right, that cause a wide variety of effects that are just these flavor and uh, sensory compounds, right? Is this a sativa versus indica? Thing? No. Oh, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. Actually, the sativa indica thing is just something that I, don't, I almost don't believe in. And part of this is when it comes down to like botanicals, a lot of my research that was done at OHSU uh, had to do with a plant called Gotucola or Centella Asiatica, which is used uh, primarily in like Ayurvedic and traditional Chinese medicine. Now, one of the things that we were studying with this plant uh, was its extract, right? Um, Like a tea. Of it, we were giving it to mice with Alzheimer's disease and seeing if it was potentially good for cognition. However, once we figured out that look, this compound is doing well in in mice, it's 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 being uh, it, it it has beneficial properties for multiple different things. Now, this is just a full extract; it's like a tea. So obviously, it's a plant. There's multiple compounds within that tea that are causing certain things to you know happen. So one of the things that we had to do was figure out which compounds are doing what. So with Kratom, it's the same kind of thing where there is tons of different compounds in this plant that are probably giving it its effect. And with the white, green, red vein thing, this all comes down to how it was harvested, where it was harvested. Like straight up, the go-to cola that we purchased when giving it to these mice was from multiple different sources. And we had to use different experimental techniques, right? With chemistry and different things to discover like, hey, which one do we want to use that is going to be the best? It's going to have the most compounds in it. The reason that we did this is we would take compounds or we would take plant material from India. We would take it from Redmond, Oregon. We would take it from South America. We would take it from all these different places and we would go, which one is the best? Right? Which one has the most uh, Asiatic acid? It was probably the one from Redmond. Yeah. Wait, actually, it no, was? 100%. Whoa, okay. Yes. I was kind of joking. Oregon's <laughs> Wild Harvest is the company that we bought all of our stuff from, and they were growing the best stuff. Interesting. Now, Redmond, Oregon is central Oregon for anyone that doesn't understand where you know places are in Oregon. Very <laughs> small town. Super small town, but the climate is an amazing climate for plants to grow. Um, yeah, a lot of Central Oregon is, and that's part it's of a like, high desert. Exactly. So uh, again, going back to the green, white, and red vein situation, these veins are again just the uh, straight up veins of a leaf of a plant, right? And the things that you see when you hold a leaf up to like you know the sun, and you see it, and you're like, oh, look at all those little things. So kratom is just green leaves. 
it'll always be green leaves. It's just a tree. However, these veins, they will come up with a certain color based on the region that they were first grown in, how they were dried. So it's similar to tea, if anyone knows anything about tea, right? That's another good example. it is. Where green tea and black tea, it's all the same plant. It's Camellia sinensis. It's the same plant. But green, white, black, and oolong and pu'er tea are all different teas. We'll have different caffeine contents. They'll have different caffeine contents. They'll have different feelings. They'll have different even compounds in them. Like pu'er has like super good for antioxidant. Green tea is super good for antioxidant. Black tea is honestly just great for energy, right? But it's not really that great for antioxidant. So there's things about the one plant harvested a certain way or grown in a certain region that will create these different compounds and in varying levels. And again, that's going to end up having different effects. So I'm curious. Sorry not to cut you off. I'm curious because I did read an article that said basically like the the white— the white veins type of kratom caused more like stimulant effects of like yep. energy and stuff. And whereas like red vein was more like relaxation and pain relief. And I'm curious if that's because like earlier what we mentioned with like low doses of kratom causing stimulation effects versus like, uh, you know, higher doses of kratom causing more pain relief and re- relaxation and stuff. I'm curious if the white vein just has less kratom in it like i guess like less of whatever the compound is that uh you know i think that it's right now it's very misunderstood scientifically as to why white so let's just give the big picture really quick white vein kratom is considered the more stimulating kratom green vein kratom is considered a balance between uh a sedation and a stimulating feeling right hybrid hybrid Perfect, perfect example. <laughs> and then the red is like the indica. Red right? is the indica couch. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So red is more or less like what some people would describe as being a very typical opiate. Um, in the sense right. that it has high level of pain relief, analgesic properties, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it also causes sedation and, and all these re- euphoric effects associated yeah, with it. Yeah, I read that a lot of people that are like trying to get off of opiates prefer to use like the red for that exact reason. Yeah, but again, exactly. Back to what you were saying, though, about... So, I found that I liked matters. red vein better. I don't honestly think that white and green contain less alkaloids than red. Now, I could be totally wrong, but I think what, where you're going is 100% like a reasonable thing to think that, oh, well, the white and the green must just have less of these compounds. So then that's why they're not, you know, as uh, sedating or, or whatever, right? However, sure. I believe... That the two compounds that I mentioned earlier, 7-hydroxymetragenine and mitragenine, are not the only compounds. And again, this is the same way with cannabis and THC. They are not the only compound that is causing the effects. Again, with cannabis, I love bringing this one up because it's very similar, right? There's people that will smoke a certain strain of cannabis or ingest a certain strain and will have a specific effect from it. They ingest a completely different strain that is called a sativa or indica or whatever the fuck. And it has different levels of THC, CBN, CBD, CBG, whatever, right? And it gives them a different effect. And they go, well, you know what? Those two things, they caused a different effect in me. So they must be different. A lot of that could be placebo. Like I knew someone who said they only strictly smoke Blue Dream for nighttime. 
because of the effect it gave them, but maybe even just the name of the strain right. gave them relaxation. And, and it was in the yeah. back of their mind, placebo, that they felt like Blue Dream gave them a sleepier effect, which I, who knows? I'm I, The thing that I would I bring up with that is that Kratom, just like cannabis, before cannabis was given these names, has been used for thousands of years right. by people who have said, hey, the white vein that we harvest, I think this, what it comes down to is the white vein is the most recent. When you harvest oh. the plant, this is what happens. Boom, you have the white. Now you ferment the leaves for a various period of time, you get the green vein. You ferment it oh. longer, oh, so you it's, get the red. So this is the same uh, argument I just had with jalapenos. Sometimes jalapenos, as you grow them, can be different colors and people view them as different capsaicin levels. Right. Uh, depending on the color. Capsaicin. Caps, ca- capsaicin. <laughs> I, I like to say capsaicin. I like that too. Uh, and then um, I just had an argument with someone being like, there's only slight correlation between that, but a green jalapeno and a red jalapeno. Red doesn't mean hot. It does not. The color does not make it hotter. And yeah, the right. seeds are all the same color. Right. Right. And that's so, where the... So maybe it's maybe it's a similar argument. I mean, it really is. Like again, what it comes down to, I didn't mean to make it so long winded, but it's just like really, it comes down to the region that it was grown and how it was harvested and how long it was fermented. And that's the same way that tea and cannabis would be. Cannabis, sure. let's not let's not call it fermentation, but cannabis is right. being cured, right? And right. if you smoke cannabis after a month after it's been harvested, it's going to be a different experience than if you've smoked it three months after. But right. with so, cannabis, it's like indica and sativa are completely different, like uh, completely different things, right? Or are they not? Like they're no, because again, the plant is cannabis sativa. All of it. It's always cannabis. So sativa. what the fuck is indica? Indica is a In way of describing that. So cannabis sativa is weird because cannabis is three different plants. It's there's cannabis rum something uh, cannabis I forget what you call it but it's a very short bushy plant that grows in Russia and then or the northern what parts the of uh, that continent area and then you have cannabis indica and then you have cannabis sativa cannabis sativa is the only plant that we use everywhere that is flowering and gets us high now it is a mix what people think is it's a mix between the cannabis indica and the cannabis something I can't remember the name, but it comes from Russia, and it's this very short flowering plant. Now there's cannabis sativa plants that have more of a bushy, large leaf uh, characteristic oh, to them. Yeah, it's something and to shorter. do with hot, like the tall plants or the, sati- yeah. the, the the more straggly looking plants are the sativa, and exactly. the shorter bushy ones are the indica plants. And there's thought that in those strains. There's varying levels of the 400-something cannabinoids (laughs) that is causing that one to be more mentally stimulating than the other one, which is potentially more like uh, 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 physically stimulating, meaning it actually makes your body relaxed. And then that's an indica. Like people will just say the the word indica sativa is a humanly like brought up like way of describing that there's different effects to cannabis plants. But again… Every flower you've ever smoked is cannabis sativa. Okay. Interesting. Like, like the, the Latin name of that plant is yeah. cannabis sativa. Interesting. Gotcha. Which but we will obviously talk about in the future during a cannabis yeah. 
episode where we're talking about just weed. <laughs> we got off on such a crazy <laughs> yeah. long tangent. We've about gone weed. on a bunch of different tangents about a bunch of different drugs <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. no, it's interesting that it's good, Mike though. has said all that though, is because like for me as a as a someone who smokes cannabis every day, multiple times a day, I can tell immediately when I smoke you know, what's what we call, what humans call an indica versus like a, a sativa. Um, even though, you know, Mike was just saying it's all the sativa plant. But, you know, as we've talked about, different strains being different effects based off off of what… Uh, the cannabinoids. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, for me, even if someone doesn't… Like, it's not like a mental thing at all for me of like, oh, it was like someone said this was an indica or something like, or said this was a sativa, like… I don't even have to ask somebody. I'll smoke it and I'll be like, okay, this is more, has more indica type, type properties yeah, to it, it just based off of the feeling and stuff. With what Micah said, like there's so many different cannabinoids and, and things with, uh, with weed that those different little tiny chemicals can alter your perception of, or alter your experience when ingesting right. marijuana. Yeah, exactly. Um, Interesting, but yeah. So I do have a question, Micah. So you you said uh, that you uh, basically that the the difference between like the white vein and the red vein and all that is based off of like fermentation and like uh, it changes color over time versus like kind of I guess almost the way to to relate it to would be I guess like uh, like tequila like where you have like your blanco and then you have like your like reposado and then like your anejo, uh, whereas like the the clear is that's like been recently harvested and hasn't been uh, like sitting in a barrel or something. Whereas like the Repsado is like a, like a lighter, like, like brownish kind of color where, cause it's been sitting in a barrel for a while. And Anejo is like a darker brown color cause it's been sitting there for a while. So I, I, you were saying, I guess like the white vein is because it's recently been harvested versus like the red veins been sitting around. Is that kind of like what you would relate it to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's no, a great so way of thinking it, of it. Yeah. Okay, so when it grows on, like, a tree, you can't identify, like, the white versus the red, like, just by looking at a leaf. Like, it's not, no. they're not different, like, styles of trees, I guess. No, yeah, because, again, it's all the same, just like the cannabis sativa plant, right? It's all okay. the same plant. It's the same tree. Um, same way with psilocybin cubensis mushrooms, right? Like, any any plant like this that produces chemicals like this, uh, it's always going to be that plant. but or fungus, or whatever, but the way that it was grown, like the region that it was grown in, the climate it was grown in, and then the way that it was harvested and, and processed afterward is going to change Okay, uh, its effects. Which is honestly just fucking awesome. It's incredibly fascinating. No, that's cool as fuck. Very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about all that, because I thought that was like, that was one of the things I really wanted to talk about in this episode, is like the whole white vein, red vein, green vein whole yeah, thing. I, feel- I found it fascinating. I feel like we've went off on a lot of tangents in this episode, but none of them kind of went off on not relating to Kratom. So, because they, they, they all, all the tangents we went off on kind of bettered all of our understanding about how Kratom really because this interacts is how, with you. This is how botanicals work. Yeah. I mean, this is like, again, like I love to talk about Kratom. I actually did a presentation on Kratom in college uh, because. Uh, this is something that I find very fascinating and it's something that I spent four years of my life studying, sort of. Not Kratom, but particularly botanical medicine. Yeah. That's right? cool, man. 
And so botanicals are strange because it's, an, it's incredibly hard to make a argument as to how this compound or this plant with all these different compounds in it are causing these effects, right? When we were doing our studies, it was like, hey, look, we were showing a full plant extract, but then suddenly it's like, well, what, what compounds are in that plant extract that are causing this effect to happen? Yeah. So now that's five more years worth of work. Yeah. Shouts out to that guy that called us uh, in, uh, uh, uncredible because of your one, <laughs> your one little misspeak. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, what? Uh, yeah. That never happened. I don't think, I think you're I think, mistaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, think well, there's proof of that. Shouts out to that guy on Reddit. Fuck that I don't guy. think there's okay. proof of that on the internet, dude. No. The, you can look Whatever. it up on Spotify and you won't hear any misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> no, we corrected ourselves and that's good. And, and it is good that he... Uh, I have he no idea what you're even talking about, dude. Bit, but, yeah. You're speaking gibberish. I think you <laughs> ingested some drugs <laughs> that are making you speak gibberish right now. Wait, yeah. What's that compound that makes people just like speak the truth? Oh, it's like a very simple compound. Uh, Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're talking about it. I don't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, it's it's like what they would call it like truth serum and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth serum. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a it's a yeah, it's just a drug that makes you more open to telling the truth. In All things. I'm saying is that Micah is insanely uneducated. <laughs> yeah, Micah, would you go to fucking college or something? Would you go to college to learn <laughs> about this shit? Pentothal, that's what it's called. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh shit. Right. Truth serum is a colloquial name actually for a range of psychoactive drugs, including L S D ethanol. Well, oh, <laughs> I was right. We <laughs> were literally right. That's so funny. Dude. Raven's been right twice just off of random And then a, cu- a, cu- a couple benzos and then uh, even a phenobarbital. Oh, I know wow. how it is. Yeah, dude. Uh, ammo barbital. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, okay. one of the things I wanted to talk about, oh, okay. uh, I, it seemed like you were about to wrap it up. but uh, Well, yeah. No, if you still have stuff you want to talk about. I just want to talk about like general culture of like, it, we've kind of, touched on it a bunch of just like people using kratom for like pain relief and like for farming and uh for energy and for co- like coffee substitutes and, and all the things off of and drugs and stuff. yeah but i've also wanted to talk about generally people using it just to feel something and stuff and not trying to get off of other drugs. God, like, I wish I could feel something. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I, I feel the fact that you don't feel anything. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was, uh, I listened to a clip of Joe Rogan talking about it, uh, cause he was just like interested in creative at one point and he was like one of his MMA of friends, uh, <laughs> like took it all the time for like pain relief and, uh, just relaxation and stuff. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I just wanted to see what it was about. So, like, I just took, like, a fucking DMT bunch of it. With- <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be sick, though. <laughs> uh, no, so he he took, like, a <laughs> bunch of it and was just like, oh, like, these people that are taking Kratom are, like, getting high. Like, because he was like, dude, I got fucked up from how much I took. Like, And he yeah. said he took, like, eight pills. He didn't say the milligram, but he said he took eight pills of it. They could be, like, said, half gram pills or something. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, he how might much have taken, like, four say. to... Eight grams or something. Yeah, who knows? He who even knows? So, but regardless, he took eight pills. Said he got high as fuck and was just like, "Yeah, like I'll never take that again." Like I felt super, super high and like what we talked about, it hits your opiate receptors. So he probably just felt like he was hitting. Probably felt like he was on opiates. He probably doesn't like opiates. Yeah, exactly. Like the experience. Yeah, there's a lot of people that think they're like allergic to opiates just because they get intense nausea and and itchiness. Yeah. 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 Dude, yeah, as someone who's done many opiates in their life, I can attest to the itchiness and 
rubbing your nose and just feeling generally just like weird and strange and like wow like I almost kind of like a gross feeling for me like even though it is like a feeling that makes your brain feel like kind of good at the same time your body almost like wants to reject it at the same time. I don't time. even know don't if it know. has like a brain effect. It's more of a physical thing. Mm. Like, uh, it's more like the depressive uh, aspect of it. It's like a physical like just it, like you can't move. Well there's yeah, a lot of totally. there's a lot of euphoria. Right? Yeah, for sure. 100%. People. There's yeah. tons of euphoria. Dude. If especially at higher doses like like dude when I was in high school like men don't do this, anyone who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I knew when I was, was going to go somewhere <laughs> when I was in high school. <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> but when I was me 15. And a, uh, literally, me and a friend at age 15, oh, no. uh, we're taking 8 to 10, uh, 10 milligram hydrocodone Vicodin pills at a time. Hell so yeah. that's like 80 to 100 milligrams and also a shit ton of acetaminophen, which is horrible for your body. <laughs> to take that much, because uh, yeah, like the overdosing, like the over, like the limit where they say like you shouldn't take any more acetaminophen is like, I think it's, it's like, like uh, four thousand milligrams or something. No, I think it's like two thousand or like twenty five hundred. No, I think max is like four thousand, isn't it? I don't know what the maximum is, but they just say. I don't, just remember looking it up when I popped fucking eleven Vicodins. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the thing with the yellow Norcos... God, I is gotta stop admitting shit. I know! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing with the yellow Norcos is they were they had less acetaminophen in them. It was three. It was 10 milligrams of hydrocodone, 325 milligrams of acetaminophen. And uh, so you could take more without hitting the acetaminophen barrier. Anyways, we would take like 8 to 10 of those uh, and just get fucking so high. And the euphoria was insane, like so you euphoric like like the nodding out thing of like where you're like your body is just there like completely numb like sitting there and your brain is just like feels like someone's like rubbing your brain <laughs> like, <laughs> uh and to look back on is a disgusting feeling to think about um but i, I can see how like going back to the whole like people think they're allergic to opiates almost like i can definitely see that because the first time i took like a bunch of it i was like crazy euphoric but also like the same time like you you feel nauseous you feel like just kind of your body feels almost like it's like trying to reject what you just took i don't know how we got onto that topic but (laughs) i mean it was just uh you know confession corner for you yeah (laughs) don't do drugs people and if you're gonna do drugs do fun drugs research them before and test your drugs test them uh that's our that's our uh that's our harm reduction corner is always test your kratom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, kratom, apparently people back in the day, because uh, we talked about ways of ingesting of like- Didn't test it for in. fentanyl? <laughs> no, dude. They were, they were savages, dude. Oh my God. Imagine having to dissolve all of your kratom in the water. <laughs> I mean, you already kind of do when- it, when yeah, but not all of it. Like your whole bag. I'm seeing. I mean, yeah. like you buy the whole bag and you just dump it into like a fucking gallon of water, and you're like, "All right, now I'm gonna test it." Dude, That's you know, so funny. you know what? You know what I just thought of is how they sell it as just like loose leaf, like the powder shit. Someone like buying that and not understanding how to take it and just snorting a fat. Like, oh my yeah. god! Actually, no, 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 no. We have to bring that up because there is there is a an entire uh, inside oh, no. joke on Reddit about boofing kratom, and this is because. 
there was actually an individual on r slash drug who thought that it would be a good idea to boof Kratom. No, <laughs> meaning, so what meaning shove it up their ass. I don't know what happened. I don't fucking know. The only reason I know about this is because it's a leading, like, it is one of the biggest jokes in the Reddit community of drug users boofing Kratom. Dude, like, that's like, amazing. Anyone that says they're addicted to Kratom, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say this. But there is a joke against those who get addicted to Kratom that uh, they should just boof it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty good idea. No. no. I'm joking, <laughs> dude. Terrible idea. Don't It, it would actually it. work really well. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yes. It would work a lot better than having to. Oh, God. It. Could you imagine your freaking poops after that? Oh, dude, man. I don't even know if you'd hell, have any. Nah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Wait, so what if you what if you took Kratom up your butt and then like an hour or two later you took a suppository <laughs> and shit all of that right back out? Would it, would it, uh, you probably wouldn't even be constipated if you took a suppository. Do you know what a suppository is? <laughs> yeah, it makes you poop. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> yeah, dude. Have you not no. taken a fucking one of those constipation pills that you shove up your butt when you're constipated? Whoa, no, I haven't. Oh, Explain I've done that, me. dude. Oh, okay. That's so one time I ate, pizza, I ate a bunch of Pizza Hut and uh, didn't shit for like five days probably. Pizza butt, bro. Dude, you tell me about it, dude. Fucking, I wish someone would have taken a pizza butt out of my butt because fucking... <laughs> Dude, I, I didn't shit for like five days. It sounds days. like that suppository did, though. Yeah, no, so, so I, I I bought one of those fucking <laughs> suppositories that make you shit like super gnarly, <laughs> fucking shoved it up my fucking pooper, and within three minutes was fucking shitting everywhere, dude. I like how I just said, it was the one to say, I need to stop admitting shit on the show. <laughs> I'm, dude, I'm trying to spread awareness, dude. Don't eat Pizza Hut. Okay. And fucking, if you do Never eat Pizza eat Hut. Never eat Pizza Hut. Suppository does not mean a laxative. Just well, so no. Oh, sorry, sorry. It was a it was a laxative suppository. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, dude. I'm freaking spreading misinformation. All suppositories will make you shit. <laughs> Every time you boof a drug, you will shit the drug out. Just so you I know. Mean, you're not wrong. Not all of it. That's not true. Uh, I know. I'm joking. <laughs> you may feel like you need to. But, uh, all yeah. right. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we talked about your bowel movements. You know, it's really, I actually feel like we talk about butt stuff every time at the end of the, our episodes recently. Um, Amen, brother. Like, boofing always gets into the conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, we're talking about drugs. It kind of has to. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Dude. Because people put drugs up their butt. Boofing yeah, is probably uh, my I think... favorite topic. <laughs> it's my yeah, favorite I mean, topic of And pastime. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely my favorite pastime. I'd say for sure. You know, if I, dude, you know what? They should start. A, they should make a TV show. Yeah, dig, strictly dig about grave. boofing dig drugs. Grave. Keep digging it, Just keep digging dude. That. All I'm Just talking about is digging. boofing drugs, Just dude. Stop interrupting me. I'm talking about boofing. <sighs> it's important. <laughs> so sorry about the tangents we've went off on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that was the Kratom episode. And I honestly just want to say one thing. I want to acknowledge the listeners. We have been getting a ton of new support in this episode. Uh, not this episode. What am, what am I saying? We've been getting a ton of new support. And I appreciate it a ton because this show would not be possible without people listening to it. And the most important thing I kind of want to put on the listener is word of mouth. Spread the podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, 
Tell your friends. Tell your friends to listen to it. It's a fun podcast. We talked about butt stuff a bunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell, yeah. tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your grandma. We're talking about drugs. We're talking about butts. Yeah. We have not <laughs> asked the listener for anything up until now. Um, tell your friends. That's all we can ask. It's um, It's been really fun making this podcast thus far. And we don't plan on stopping. And we've been uploading every single week. And we will not stop uploading every single week. And we appreciate every single person. Literally down to the one person. If everybody stopped listening and we had one person, we'd still record just for them. Um, so know that you as a listener right now, are kind of getting in on the ground floor of this podcast. Uh, and we appreciate you. Reach out to us on Instagram. Tell us you've been listening. Uh, our Instagram is, uh, uh, is it drinking out of cups underscore pod on Insta? Yep. Underscore. I, I, like how, I like how I ask every single show. I know, dude. You don't even know, dude. This kid's fucking so out of touch, dude. He's My fucking... phone is so out of touch. It won't even run Instagram. This guy can't dude. even post a reel. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do see the messages and I do appreciate every single person that reaches out. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. Tell us what we could do better. Uh, not really. Don't give us any critiques or I'll cry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> give us critiques, dude. It's all positive. It's all going to help us make this thing better. If you don't like something, hit up Raven 2 Turn on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you don't want to make Raven 2 Turn cry, I mean, you could always hit me up on Resting Potential Bass Music. Yeah, that, that guy too, dude. Make, make him cry. And if you don't want to make him cry, hit up Rhino118 on Instagram and make me cry. With your and sad thoughts or your positive thoughts. That's R-Y-N-O-118. Not yeah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, R-Y-N-O-118. And I just started posting on YouTube again. And it's really fun. And you get to see my naked ass. <laughs> you go <laughs> watch. Not just yours. Yeah, no, there's a lot of butts. Uh, Only fans coming soon. <laughs> if you want to see a naked me riding a jet ski, then uh, check out R-A-Y-V-Y-N, the number two, T-U-R-N-T on YouTube. And you'll see my naked butt riding a jet ski. <laughs> so that's really fun. Don't, don't. Don't dislike it. Don't no, it. Well, YouTube took off dislikes because they're a bunch of cowards. Wait, really? Yeah. Yes. We talked about this a while ago because I was like, God damn it. Why can't I dislike all of Raven's videos? Dude. Yeah. Because <laughs> I shoot for more dislikes than uplikes, you know? Uplikes. Yeah. I love up, that. Up, uplikes. Downlikes. <laughs> 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 YouTube and the Reddit. I shoot for more down <laughs> likes than uplikes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with the likes. Dude. You should start calling that. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for listening to the show. We've got topics in the works that are very, very exciting. And uh, yeah, we'll just keep coming at you. Keep you learned. We're going to uh, keep coming. Okay. Uh, keep, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep filling your brains with safe information about how to take your substances. Or if you don't want to take substances and you're just interested in them, that's cool too. No, definitely. Like, tell your mom to listen to our uh, podcast. If you've been, like, boofing Kratom in your room alone and your mom's like, what are you doing in there? Tell them to listen to our podcast and uh, get learnt on why it's safe to do these things in your room alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, mom, these, these drinking out of cups guys told me what to do, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't tell them to do anything. We just... Uh, no. No. <laughs> Listen to the next episode, damn it. <laughs> Beep.